it was a subpar cycle lane it was just a line of paint and that is a very dangerous junction I've been knocked off my bike at that very point and you know we said it was subpar and the the response was just remove it rather than improve it and I'm still quite gobsmacked that that was what happened. Just before that cycle lane was removed last August, Bristol was named in a national report as the ninth most dangerous city in the UK for cycling. Two months later, a cyclist was killed in Hengrove after a collision with a lorry. It's not only cycling that's in trouble. Thousands of our buses have been removed from the schedule and air pollution and congestion from cars continues to plague many parts of the city. Emma Edwards, Green Councillor for Bishopston and Ashley Down, is a vocal campaigner for better transport infrastructure in Bristol and she came into the studio to talk about it. Right, okay, so transport in Bristol. Um, oh, there are so many things. So today all we can do is get a sort of an overview. Let, can we start with the buses? We've had, there are thousands of buses that have been cut, haven't there? Yes, there has. Yes, um, it's a big concern. Is, do, do you have any idea, and I know obviously it's a private company, but do you have um, any idea of when it might be starting to get better? So, I mean, to an extent, this is a nationwide issue, but it's certainly hit Bristol very hard. And uh, the main reason for that is a lack of bus drivers. So I have actually had meetings with the uh, chairman of of First Buses who kind of gave us an overview of how bad the situation was. And, you know, I I think there has been a knock-on effect from Brexit, A, for people Mm. leaving the country who were working as bus drivers, but also because uh, HGV drivers were needed so badly. And uh, I was told that there was, you know, haulage companies outside the bus depot with clipboards recruiting because if you if you've got a license to drive a bus you can also drive an HGV and there's more money in that as well so So. were they were they poaching existing drivers oh yes yes so you know there's only so much the council or even WECA can can do because you still have to train the bus drivers however there are bus drivers being trained what the the decision to cut those routes was a measure which is rather than just people standing at bus stops waiting for a bus that never turns up cut cut the services train the drivers reintroduce the bus services it's our job as councillors to put the pressure on to make sure that those mm. um that yeah. those routes are reinstated or that there's community bus routes available um and that people aren't left high and dry without any bus services because they are yeah. vital and all, sorry go on Shana. i was just going to say what's your view on um uh, bus unfranchising so because i know that's a very popular campaign at the minute i know acorn have been working on it about yes. um to sort of bring the buses back under some sort of public control if not public ownership but i know that's complicated absolutely so um actually at full council was it the last full council or the one before i can't remember i do apologize but in a recent full council that was uh, passed actually the the liberal democrats brought that and we seconded it to uh, to bring the to, to franchise there is a process though so that's you know there has to be a feasibility study there has to look at how that's going to be funded because obviously you know private bus companies aren't just going to hand over their their companies and that has to be led by the west of england combined authority yes. that's not something bristol council can absolutely kick off itself absolutely um and you know <clears throat> as the green party we would love to see full public ownership and um, that gives us more control 
but franchising is a sort of step towards that. Mm. It's frustrating how long everything takes, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> you just, I, I wish it could be like community <clears throat> radio where, you know, things, you, th- you do things until they don't work yes. and then, and then <clears throat> you stop doing them. It's completely the other way around to the way it works in the sort of private sector. Yes. It's brilliant. Yes. It's a fantastic model. <laughs> Still, I suppose, yeah, mm. fair enough. Um, right, okay, let's move on to cycling. Uh, This is part of the reason you're here now is because of some tweets I saw actually a few months ago now Mm. um, when a woman was killed Mm. and then the week later somebody else I think was badly injured Mm. and then I think a few weeks after that someone was injured again and it just feels like it's we're supposed to be aren't we supposed to be one of the top cities in in the UK for cycling but it just doesn't feel very good right yeah now. I mean there's the will is there you know Bristol is a is a, mm. a city full of people who want to cycle um, and yet our cycling infrastructure is below standard you know there's there's no way there's no two ways about it I mean <clears throat> we know we're a hilly city but that shouldn't matter I mean people have e-bikes now um our mayor um uh, Paula she she's uh, in her 60s and she's she's got her e-bike and she goes up Park Street and loves it you know you if if their cycling infrastructure was right then so many more people would cycle. I have residents telling me all the time that they want to cycle. They're just scared to cycle because people are getting killed. Um, there's a standard you, you see in other European cities uh, where they say, you know, a cycle lane isn't a cycle lane unless people aged 8 to 80 feel safe cycling upon it. And I think that's a really good standard. Wow. Um, and that. that means that they've got proper... Um, segregation from other vehicles we often have to share with buses which you know buses are great but putting the biggest Mm. vehicle with the most vulnerable vehicle isn't always right we know we don't want cycling that uh, impinges on people who are walking or have mobility devices because they don't feel safe then so we really need proper proper cycle lanes the one on Baldwin Street I think is great that's like my favorite it's so geeky I have a favorite cycle lane but as I said, that is the standard we should be we should be going for all over the city so what's kind of preventing that is it a funding issue from Bristol Council's point of view yeah I, th- I think I mean funding is certainly uh, part of it um, so y- you know we saw today that the Department of Transport is releasing two, uh, 200 million I think towards cycling and walking plans which sounds like a lot of money if you compare what it to what they're spending on road building it's not a lot of money that doesn't go very far but who is the 200 million for um for local authorities so local that's across inter- the uk yeah. the whole oh, country that's nothing. yeah no it's, it's not it's it's a drop in it's yeah. an absolute drop in the ocean um but then also there's got to be a political will mm-hmm. you know so we have to look at the way that you know sometimes you've got to be a bit brave and sometimes that does mean exactly. annoying drivers or you know it, it, making decisions making difficult decisions mm. about where cycle lanes go and where that money is spent um and you know we have something called an lc whip the uh, local cycling and walking infrastructure plan 
and it, it, it it's it's a it's a good plan but the way, because of the way that funding comes in the funding comes in very piecemeal therefore mm. it gets implemented very piecemeal mm. i personally don't think it's being implemented fast enough i think we're focusing on very small projects and kind of over egging them slightly rather than putting in mm. the you know the amount of cycling lanes that we need uh, quick enough so um yeah i think there is a bit of a political will there as well yeah definitely can i just ask if you were in charge and had full power yes <laughs> what would you what would you do about this um i mean would certainly be certainly be bolder about some of the choices um see it as more of an urgent issue you know we are very concerned when uh, cycling lanes, for example, are removed. I mean, that happened uh, last year. There was outrage on the Gloucester Road because there was a junction, and we didn't know about it. That they were, they actually, you know, it was a subpar cycle lane. It was just a, it was just a line of paint, and that is a very dangerous junction. I've been knocked off my bike at that very, that that very point, um, and you know, we said it was subpar, and the the response was just remove it rather than improve it. And I'm still quite gobsmacked that that was the that was what happened so i think we need to uh prioritize cycling a lot mm. more and not just not just lines on, mm. of paint but actual proper safe cycling mm. routes um and you know, the other thing we need that is we need a, a team of people to design those um those cycle lanes and i'm very concerned at the moment with this move of the uh, strategic city transport team out to weka that we won't have those those people those officers within the council to design those teams can you tell us because you mentioned this before yeah. can you just tell us a bit more about this would you because it is very relevant to this yeah conversation, so there's it? been a decision by the administration to to move the um the strategic city transport and design team out so to to move them to weka or actually get rid of some of those positions and, and what do they do what so does they, they, do? they just they design they design the layout of the city you know they they would design the cycle lanes they they work in the kind of plan of the city and how it works and how the transport works and how that works with other developments and they really do have a vital role um if they go to weka then obviously that means that we can that it's diluted that their skills are diluted so we would then have to they'll be working for the whole region so we don't then so have them so working other in other regions don't have their own teams or they do have their own teams as well and it would all be combined or um well they would be working for the combined authority that we would also because we have fewer people working in our design teams we would also be using like consultants so private firms to to come in who so i don't see that as saving money no. either because yeah, they'll Quite small. Be more expensive. And, yeah. um, and also, you know, they haven't made a decision to go and work for Bristol City Council to design it, to make it better and make it greener and make it better for cyclists, which these people have and they want to work for us. And so I think it's... it's they're, not as, they're not as invested in the city itself. Exactly. They're more likely to yeah. be maybe based in London or something. Exactly, okay. exactly. And, you know, they, the actual team came to Cabinet when this decision was being made or was, the papers were going through. Um, we actually brought a motion to the last council, which um, I spoke on, um, saying, please, please mm. pause and look at this mm. and, you know, really consider... 
the implications of this because once we've lost that team, it's going to be nearly impossible to get That's them back. That's it. Those skills will be. Uh, and so, what is what is happening now? Are they, are they definitely going? Is it done and dusted? I or? don't know if it's entirely done and dusted, but we it ha- we have it hasn't been promised to be stopped yet. So I think you know this is what our motion asked was to like just please look at the implications of this. I don't know if this will come out after the budget um, of of whether or not it's um it's a done deal but i really think that that team is so important Mm. and i don't think this is something that people realize is happening um you know unless you kind of understand the ins and outs of the council i mean i didn't before i was a councillor of just how important this team is and how hard they work how much they want to how much it's going to impact them you know their union are fighting their corner as well but you know if you you talk about us being in power if we are ever in power we are going to need that team and if they have Mm. gone they have gone just thinking about it so if anyone's listening who's like maybe quite um uh, interested in this and is concerned is it worth them writing to their councillor or the cabinet to sort of flag this up yes Mm. yes. so it's it's about the strategic design team and yeah concerns about it doesn't yeah because it doesn't sound like it'll be a cost saving measure or will it be in the short term but not the long term it's short term isn't it It, this is this classic example of knowing the price of something but not its Mm. value yeah um, it's so hidden, isn't it, and subtle in a way, and long term, and it is difficult it is. to and measure. I just think you know, consultants. I don't see how consultants can ever be as good as people who have chosen to go and work for their local authority. You know, I've spoken to some of the the team whose jobs are at risk, and they've said, you know, we want to make Bristol better. And you hear that, and you're thinking, these are the people yeah. we want working for us. You know, these are the people with the vision who you know it, that's what gets them up in the morning is to is to see bristol better and improve cycle lanes and things like that you know um what we they're the people we want to mm. keep and, and keep them on side mm. is there is there any possibility that there might be an ulterior motive in bringing in private consultants for things possibly possibly yeah. you know it might be maybe under the current system there is um you know i know private invest bringing private investors into uh, and i was thinking about something like the underground system for example if with that i don't know would if you brought yes. in consultants who've been involved <laughs> say with the london underground or who've got because i could understand that the strategic design team wouldn't have experience of underground systems obviously but yeah i don't know i mean Yes, I mean, there might be an agenda there under the yeah. current system, absolutely. I wonder, I wonder. Um, yeah. And speaking of which, so uh, conscious of the time, <laughs> can we Big talk subject. about the... Uh, is, the undergr- is that going to happen, do you I think? I don't... A million-dollar question. Yeah. <laughs> oh, more than one million. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, increasing by the, increasing by the day. Um, I don't think so. I really don't, just because, you know, there's been talk of it for so many years... Um, I can't find that many people who who really want it or have that enthusiasm outside of the administration. You know, already the mayor has said it's not going to be a full like London style underground. That would be ridiculous. It would just be certain routes that would have to go underground. Which, if you look at the, the the technology that would be available to us in Bristol, it would be a cut and cover, which would mean that roads would be out of action for, for many months. Does that, does that mean cutting into roads yes. down and then putting and the then tunnels putting underneath the stuff, and yeah. then covering yeah. them back so over it wouldn't again? Be like an under, it wouldn't be like, you know... It's not a deep a underground, it's yeah. quite like a shallow mm, one, exactly. which has a lot of destruction. Um, and, you know, you've got to think, you know, yes, in the future you might save carbon, but how much carbon would that take to actually then implement? How much money would that take 
to implement how long would it take to put in it could be another 10-15 years my big concern is when you read the IPCC report um, and you, you you hear the sort of latest climate science they are saying cities that are in low-lying areas coastal cities cities on estuaries you have to you have to flood proof um, you have to really look at how your your transport holds up to potentially catastrophic flooding um, we've seen flooding in underground systems all over the world in New York in Hong Kong even in London why would we be building tunnels that's such a good yeah. point <laughs> why would yeah. we building tunnels what um, about yeah. trams how do you, I mean I, oh, that's, 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 a, yeah. that's a completely oh. different conversation it's, maybe but, right, though. Is yeah. that, but is that gone has that disappeared completely that option I, do you think? I, we need a mass we will need a mass transit yeah. system at some point and you mm. know especially if we've got you know if we're building further out as we are if we've got an arena further out as we're going to have um if we want to really get people out of their cars um you know fewer drivers are needed for trams you know mm. they are because they are longer i think trams are a great idea you know this is a hill i will die on <laughs> I, love, I love trams I love after trams. you get to the top Anyone of it who using knows a tram me on twitter knows that i love trams <laughs> but obviously you know it's it's about you know you've still got to do the feasibility studies there's also problems with trams you know what type of trams do you have ones with tracks do you have ones with overhead cables they come with their own problems there are sort of electric trolley buses there are different types of uh, mass transit systems now that that don't have those we could really just sort our buses out first and see how yeah that, goes. that seems like an really easier and cheaper solution. you know exactly. let's talk about the short term as well as the dream of the long term i did i was doing some research into the underground stuff the other day and um so the, the initial cost was estimated to be four billion pounds mm. which doesn't sound a lot when you think about like people going to space and billionaires and things mm. but um i realized that <laughs> it would be enough um to buy every bristolian their own hot air balloon because right. you can you <laughs> can do that you can get a hot air balloon you can get a small hot air balloon for eight Grand, <laughs> and there's like five, about five hundred thousand people in Bristol. So you yeah. know that's that would be a much. You might have to solve the. There solve you the go, problem. and it would attract so many. It would attract so many tourists. Yeah. It probably pay for itself. There you, you can have that oh, one yeah, for free. Thank you. I mean, yeah. I mean, and but you know, you said that four four billion. That's just a starting fee. You know, I mean, if you look at the Elizabeth Line in London, that was, I think. I think it was something like five billion over budget and however many oh, years over budget, yes. you know, so that's only the starting because we already know now with other things going on in Bristol, like housing, for example, that because of Brexit and because of inflation and because of the war in Ukraine, you know, building costs go up and materials mm. go up and other things mm. happen. So any any point of uh, you know any budget given for an underground now isn't necessarily going to be the budget for an mm. underground in five ten years it could just spiral mm. into and billions. then you've got all the maintenance costs as yeah. well which is obviously yes. and look at what they you know that news item about the um the arena that budget going up, that's already and the fact yeah. that you know now that the budget for the infrastructure is now yeah in question i mean you know it's just it does seem crazy. That decision has been made. I mean, it, you know, the original site for the arena was right by a main train station and maybe that would have been better, mm. but that decision has been made now. But yeah, you've got to think about how, how you're going to get out there. And one of the main corridors is the Gloucester Road, which is an area of my interest because I live off it and so, does, so is my ward and my residence. You know, um, how... The, the idea of running a tunnel underneath Gloucester Road to get to the arena, is that an idea? Well, um, 
surely there's an easier way is you know yeah. and even if that involves yeah. repurposing road space which is i think the conversation that is not being had yeah. this is the thing it the car the car still dominates the conversation yes. doesn't it and yes. i understand completely because uh, the bristol disability equality forum came yes. in on the show and said it is so important that we don't forget them Absolutely. when talking about and, I'm, and a 100%. friend of mine said i need the car park i need it mm. to get in yeah. yeah and i thought well okay fair enough but the more people who don't use cars, then those people who really do need to use one could still possibly use one. Mm. Um, it seems to me that but somebody posted, you know, when you um, get details for a house and you get the house p- plan showing you the, the sort of footprint of where all the rooms are and stuff, they showed at the equivalent for a street and by far and away the biggest room enormous dwarfing all the others was the one for the car the car yeah and it it is absolutely crazy yeah it's also do this there's some work that needs to be done around um protecting people on public transport because i remember talking to um a local community leader from the mosque who's saying that um a lot of people um who from muslim backgrounds are um feel really uncomfortable on public transport sometimes because of the racial abuse Mm. like i think in bristol we're quite lucky in that we are quite integrated i imagine in some areas maybe as you get further out it can become more difficult and feel people feel a lot safer sort of being in a car where you can control that environment so there's maybe some work needs to be done i don't know if that's about upskilling bus drivers or tackling that but there's Mm. some something needs to be done there as Mm. well yeah i mean i think it's always there's always a holistic approach that needs to be taken to all of these things you know I often see um, sort of the d- disabled community used, t- held up a lot when we talk about about cars, um, and you know there definitely isn't that argument there. You know, and, and actually, if a lot fewer cars were on the road and only people who really needed the car um, used it, I think that would solve the problem. But then, you know, when you look at things like pavement parking why haven't we cracked down on that that affects mm. disabled people you know having fewer bus links that affects disabled people um you know making sure we have good clear walking routes you know mm. that is mm. for disabled so i think if you're going to use or if you're going to talk about disabled people as, and we absolutely should we need to then use them in all of those conversations mm. absolutely absolutely yeah. um i'm very conscious <laughs> we're starting to run out of time and i would like to talk sure. Uh, about one more very very important subject which is the airport yes yes uh, now yes. i saw you at at the um the rally at the weekend emma yeah um yeah what's happening now so um so last week the the decision was made to uphold the inspectorate and the airport um and come down to to actually go ahead and expand um so this has been back and forth for a few years now so there is a group the uh, bristol airport um action network who are the group of people who are opposing the airport and they are mm. supported by the green party uh, xr uh, for example they are raising money to appeal this so it's not over yet um i think so much has changed since the airport was originally given the go-ahead to expand you know this is pre-brexit pre-pandemic pre a lot of the climate science it has i think it has to be reviewed um you know what you were saying earlier about about uh, the stop oil and 
how you're not allowed to use climate change as an example. This is something similar. Like they are talking about how they're going to be in a net zero airport, but they're not including yeah, exactly. They're not including the, the flights, including the planes, all the cars. And that yeah. is actually a loophole in in these in these sort of legal proceedings that that's not allowed to be given. Climate change isn't allowed to be given as evidence for it not be, to expand, and that is one of the main reasons why it shouldn't expand. And I. You can probably hear my voice. It's it's madness. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. madness. It is. It's, it's incompatible. Uh, yeah. You know, with you know, we, we talk about um, the clean air zone. We talk about cleaner trucks. If you're going to have an extra million tons of CO2 equivalents over the city, what are we mm. doing this for? You know, so there's there's a fundraiser to challenge. There it, is, isn't there? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if you go to Bristol Airport Action Network, so B A A N on facebook and twitter uh, and instagram they will be a link there and we need to raise money very quickly so it's to go to, go to what court of appeal or yes. with this okay yes. will it end up in the supreme court is it just going to keep going do you think until it, it, i think it, you know, it's good it's going to keep it, until until somebody stands up really the secretary of state needs to intervene you know this michael gove could do something if michael gove is listening i'm sure he does listen to the show, <laughs> please intervene you know because it's it, it's ridiculous now this is you know this sets a precedent for other regional airports mm. to expand we don't need them all of their arguments about it being economically viable and creating jobs we just talked about bus drivers there's not enough bus drivers there's not enough care staff there's not enough engineers at the council why do we need the, we, we haven't got a job shortage in the region we've got a labor shortage in the region mm. last year Br- bristol airport had 150 job um jo- job vacancies so why why are they selling this idea on loads more jobs for the region um it's just going to upset people of North Somerset yeah. and be terrible for the environment. And I think that's really important what you said about it sets a precedent because I know, you know, some people might be like, oh, well, it's just one airport, you know, it's, at least it's not Heathrow or whatever. But from what I've read, if this goes through, then it sort of green lights loads of other airport yes. expansions across the country, yes, which is absolutely. obviously incredibly damaging. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it's a case that, yeah, countrywide is very relevant, isn't it? Absolutely. So watch this space. Yeah, we'll keep fighting. Yeah, uh, well, thank you. <laughs> thank you for all you're doing and, on, you know, for the city, for us in the city as well. Thank you very much, Emma. 